Good afternoon, it's 12 o'clock and welcome to the Money Web at Meadows show. My name is Rijk van Kerk and it is another massive news day. Marcus Juster is currently being grilled in Parliament. It is his first public appearance since the collapse of Steinhoff in December last year. And he only appears after being subpoenaed to, pe- to appear in Parliament before several portfolio committees. He is surrounded by five lawyers and so far he has denied any wrongdoing of being involved uh, or aware or being aware of any accounting irregularities. He blamed uh, the downfall on Dr. Andreas Seifert. It is uh, an individual with whom Steinhoff have been uh, having ongoing litigation since 2015, a former business partner in Germany. And Juster uh, also said two independent investigations by law firms found no wrongdoing on behalf of Steinhoff. And he said the decision by Deloitte not to sign off the 2017 financial statements and then a board decision to appoint a new firm to investigate the allegations again led to the downfall due to a loss of confidence and the loss of integrity of the company. He also acknowledged that uh, the U.S. family and the family trust uh, have lost around three billion rand due to the demise. Well, uh, I'll, uh, I'll speak to Wayne McCurry in a minute. Uh, he's of FNB Wealth and Investment about this, as well as the results of DRD Gold and MMI. And we are also hoping to speak to Rob Shooter of MTN about the latest developments in Nigeria. The company was hit again yesterday with another $2 billion tax claim. And this, of course, follows uh, the claim that the company expatriated $8.1 billion in uh, dividends which were in contravention of exchange control regulations. So a bit of a, a spat between MTN and Nigeria, and it is costing shareholders a lot of money. The share price slightly up today, but still remains around 25% down from the level seen before the first allegations were made. Let's first look at the indicators. The All Share Index down 0.65% at 57,516 points. Resources down 0.3%. Industrials have lost 0.36%. Financials being at 2.3% down. The gold index up 1.7%. On international markets, the FTSE 100 down 0. Point, uh, just under 0.6%. The DAX have lost 1.1%. Uh, the CAC 40 down one4 Earlier in Southeast Asia, the Nikkei lost 0.4. Shanghai lost one7 and uh, Shang, uh, the Hang Seng lost uh, a significant 2.7%. Let's look at some shares that are making, uh, you know, but which are performing well. Implats up nice, 11.34%. Northern up 6.6%. Sabanya Gold up 4%. MTN has gained 3.8%. Currently trading at 74 rand 76. Uh, Distel has gained more than 2.5%. South 32 also 2.2% higher. So some significant performances there by resource counters. On the downside, Resilien down 6.5%. The Fushini Group 4.5% down. Trueworth trading 4.5% lower. Netcore 4% lower. First Rand 3.9%. Mr. Price 3.8%. And Standard Bank 3.3%. So financials and retailers taking a bit of a hit there. Wayne McCurry of FMB Wealth and Investments. Uh, let's start with the market. It's uh, not a pretty sight, and uh, especially the RAND being under a lot of pressure. Yes, I mean, look, this has certainly come to a head, mainly again because I think for, of international events, all the trade war and all the threats of President Trump to impose 
sanctions on massive imports of goods from China, tariffs at least not sanctions. And of course, the GDP number yesterday just did not help the RAND either. But look, the RAND is now trading well below fair value. You know, fair value sitting, I don't know, pick a number around about 14 is probably reasonable. And what the past has told us and taught us some very severe lessons in the past. Don't panic when the RAND collapses. The RAND goes through bouts of collapsing and it goes to a level that becomes extremely cheap and then over time it returns back to fair value. And every person who's panicked in previous bouts of, of RAND collapses has regretted the actions they've taken at that point. So just unfortunately, we just have to grit our teeth and live through this. The RAND will eventually, it has every single time in the past, whether it's next month or in three years' time, no one knows, but the RAND eventually does return to some semblance of fair value. So we mustn't panic through this, but of course it's very difficult to say that when you look at what's happening all around you. Do you think we are in the midst of a, a crisis? Is, is it as severe as, uh, as for you to, to use that term? Look, there is definitely an emerging market thing going on now. It is clearly a crisis in Argentina and Turkey and maybe one or two other countries, but it hasn't yet reached crisis proportions for South Africa and maybe not for all emerging markets. But yes, there is every sign that there is possibly the start or we are into some sort of global emerging market uh, emergency crisis, you know, use whatever terminology you want to. But I think it's very important for people to understand that this is not a South African crisis. You know, this is a global emerging market crisis. Sometimes when you hear some commentary and read, read a few things, you'd swear that other emerging markets have got stable currencies are doing extremely well and have got low interest rates and the money's pouring in and it's just South Africa that's in this predicament. Almost all emerging markets globally are in this predicament and a lot are significantly worse than what we've got. In other countries, have interest rates of 60% and a completely and utterly collapsing currency. So I think it's very important to understand that this is a global thing, more so than a South African issue. Yeah. Um, have you had time to watch uh, Marcus Juster in Parliament? I've heard a little bit. And of course, he's got five or six lawyers with him and he's denying everything and the investigation will come out and we will eventually know who was responsible for what and what exactly went wrong and what accounting abnormalities there were and what the reason was for all of this. So we will eventually know, and I suppose we couldn't have expected anything else from Marcus other than complete denial of everything because obviously he personally is in an extremely dangerous situation in respect of legal claims. And it'll go on for decades. Eh? I mean, all of this doesn't get resolved in months, not even years. It'll literally take a decade before all the claims are settled and before there's any sort of, I suppose, final resolution on this. Yeah. So not sure all this, but that's the reality. Uh, he's been grilled by the MP. Some very good questions being asked. Yes. Um, and uh, I think it would be better if uh, Christo Visser uh, or Ben Legrantie would ask the questions um, because I think it would be a lot more... Pointed, um, but as you've said, he denies everything. He, he blames it on uh, Andreas Seifert. Uh, of yeah. course, um, it's a long-standing partner of um, Steinhoff. They've, you know, had a difference of opinion in uh, 2015, and there's ongoing litigation. 
And apparently, uh, Dr. Seifert, uh, according to Marcus Uester, leaked a lot of information to uh, German authorities, and that was part, you know, partly, uh, you know, a strategy to actually yeah. influence that litigation. So, uh, not a big bombshell no litigation again. Yeah. Mm. yeah, no one's going to come out of this. Anyone who was associated with Steinhoff, either advisory or the auditors or any senior management or any of the independent directors and the chairman, no one's going to come out of this smelling like roses. Right? Yeah. No one. Well, DRD Gold put out numbers today, operating mm. profit 355 million. Um, that is uh, uh, slightly, well, significantly higher than the uh, 256 million in the previous year. Um, so, good solid results, but I just want to yeah. highlight two other um, numbers they've released that the cost for production cost for one ounce in 2018 was $1,258. Um, which was higher than the 1,216 of the 2017 financial year. And uh, that is uh, significantly higher than the, the current gold price, which is yes. currently $1,193. That This doesn't you know, bode well for the next financial no. year. Look, a weaker end helps it. I make no mistake about that. A weaker end definitively helps all the miners because you're selling dollars and your costs are rand-based. So they will get some relief. But that's the problem with South African gold mines, is that the cheap gold is long gone. You know, the cheap stuff near the surface that you can extract, it's gone. You know, you've got to go three, four, five kilometers underground to get gold reserves. And what you do bring up has got, uh, you know, a lower gram content. And South African mines is approaching, it's a twilight industry. You know, it, it is approaching the end. And that could take many more decades until you get to the end. But... Unfortunately, the cost of mining gold in South Africa, because of going deeper and getting less gold out, is increasing per kilogram faster than what the rand price for gold is going up per kilogram. So you have got to get, I don't know, a sustained increase of the rand gold price of 15% per year or 12% per year compound just to stay steady, just to stay in the same position because that's what your costs are going up by simply because of the nature of what gold is left underground. Yeah, I think uh, the whole gold sector is going to, as you say, shrink. Do you think we'll have another, well, uh, still have a gold sector in 10 years' time? Well, it all depends on what the gold price does. If the gold price stays where it is, even with rand weakness, in 10 years' time it won't be a viable sector. But you hope that for them and for South Africa, that the dollar price of gold does, in fact, go up or something pushes the dollar gold price up, which then would be, sustainable. I mean, look, there is still lots of gold in South Africa. You just can't mine it economically at the moment. And that's the actual problem. And of course, other than South Deep, and we all know South Deep, there are very few true new prospects, if any, in South Africa for gold. And hence, that's why most of the gold companies have gone overseas, because there's not much left here in South Africa. You know, we've been mining for over 100 years. Yeah. Insurance Group MMI reported uh, yeah. numbers as well. Uh, not too uh, rosy picture, which, no. which is being painted. Twelve uh, percent down on uh, core headline earnings, um, as well as the headline earnings per share. The share price also down two point eight percent. Is that just yeah. the market, or is it in reaction to these numbers? Look, a lot of it is the market. I mean, the banks are down three percent, so it's not unusual for other South African financial services to be down to the same extent. And, of course, MMI told us about this in their trading update. So the actual release of the numbers, you know, the, the main key numbers aren't news to the market. I mean, probably 
the most negative number is the drop in uh, embedded value per share. I mean, that came down quite significantly. They had a negative return on embedded value. But, of course, there's new management there, and they're very positive that, that they can turn the company around and buy in three or four years' time, get the profits up towards $4 billion from the $2.8 billion roughly that they are now. And they've got a new strategy. They've got new management. They've changed the operating model of the company. So I suppose we've got to give new management time. But for any life insurer, this is a tough. Well, any financial services company in South Africa, it's tough. The economy is not growing. I mean, after yesterday's GDP numbers, we're probably not going to grow 1% this year. Hopefully next year's a little better than that, but still, it'll still only be between 1% and 2%, and there's no jobs being created. In other words, the actual pie mm. is not growing in South Africa. So you as a financial services company, the only way you can grow is to actually steal market share from other competitors, and the other competitors aren't sitting there doing nothing. So this is an extremely tough economic environment to operate in. Whether you're a retailer or a financial services company, hopefully at some stage our economy can turn around. I mean, that's very dependent on what we do in South Africa, but it's also very dependent on what happens overseas and Donald Trump and trade wars and rising interest rates. But it's a tough environment, yeah. Yeah, the share price down the past 90 days, 25%, and I don't think shareholders uh, should be too happy. But, you know, it's one of those SA Inc. stocks that are really being hammered. They are not alone. Uh, When do you think they should should start to offer value again? Well, look, at some stage they will. At some stage they will offer value. Um, But, you know, we're in this very, very tough period now where the share market, well, certainly SA Inc. shares are going down. But, you know, when the retailers start approaching 13, 14 price earnings, when the banks start approaching 10, 11 PE ratios, you know, then it does represent value no matter how negative the current environment is and no matter how negative the outlook might be at a particular stage. We've seen in the past that when valuations get down to those sort of levels, if you buy the shares then, you'll probably do okay over time. I mean, we can look at first rand was trading at 49 rand. You know, last year, not that long ago, under the, let's call it the worst of the Zuma environment, and, you know, the next thing it was 76 rand, and now it's back at 64 rand. So, you know, when the shares do pull back and the valuations become reasonable, it does offer opportunity if you're brave enough, I suppose, to see through the immediate negative environment and outlook. Yeah. We can't seem to get hold of Rob Shooter, the CEO of the MTN group. Um, I believe yes. uh, he is uh, going to respond today to some of the allegations. Um, but yeah. uh, the share has been hit more than 25% in, in a week. Currently down, yeah. uh, well currently it's gained 4%. It's currently trading at 75 Rand and this follows the additional $2 billion tax claim from Again, Nigerian yeah. authorities uh, and, and it follows on the $8.1 billion repatriation of dividends it needs to do because it was allegedly expa- um, expatriated yeah. illegally. Well, what, do you ma- what do you make of this whole thing? Why do you think Nigeria is uh, targeting MTN unfairly? Look, I think they target anyone who's got money. <laughs> so, and I, MTN Nigeria is one of the biggest companies there other than oil companies. So they just seem to be targeting any company that's got money to try and get money into the coffers to try and alleviate their financial position. And it seems to me, from what I can ascertain, and clearly I'm not an expert on this, it seems almost arbitrary. You know, you, you, 
And that's one of the big things I think everyone must learn. You've got to have a stable environment that you operate in. You've got to know the rules and how they work, and the rules must be applied fairly and consistently. You know, people don't mind rules. As long as you know they're not going to change, and they will be applied fairly. And I mean, that once again comes back to the land debate in South Africa and uncertainty. We need some defining rules and we need to know how it's going to work. And if we don't know how it's going to work, then you get this massive uncertainty. And that seems to be the case with uh, Nigeria as well. I mean, MTN must be as mad as a snake because they say, we did it legally. We got the right certificates to take the money out. We paid all the import duties we were supposed to pay. And yet, you just all of a sudden get hit with these five, uh, $8 billion, $2 billion claims. And even if you go back to the fine, it looks as though they were negligent in closing the uh, non, let's call it the non-feakered account in South mm. African terminology. But the extent of the fine seemed just outrageously high for the infringement that they made. And also the level of the fine just seems to be arbitrary. It, it, it shows you the dangers of, of unfortunately doing business in emerging markets. And Nigeria must be very careful, because I can promise you, any other company that was thinking about setting up a branch in Nigeria will think twice when they look at what MTNs had to endure operating there. So, you know, ultimately it might be a short-term gain if you can get that money back or if they pay the fine or if they pay the taxes. But long term, it could be extremely detrimental to your economy if, you, if, if, if this is the environment that companies have to operate in. Yeah, well, it could also be a case that MTN may walk away from that network. You know, this uh, 10 billion, uh, combined 10 billion well, that's, claim that's uh, well, around the market MTN cap. Can't pay it. Yeah, well, it's you know, MTN's MTN market can't cap. Pay it. That's mm. it. Yeah, it, can't, it, just, it just simply can't pay it. So either, look, this hasn't been finalized yet. I mean, they're not about to do a right issue to pay this money back <laughs> to, to Nigeria. So there's still many, many, many months to go before any sort of finalization is arrived at, if ever, quite frankly. We just simply don't know. But yes, I mean, MTN just has not got that sort of money at all, not even, not even vaguely that sort of level of money that they can repatriate and I think even though the share price has been hammered on the back of the fine on the back of the repatriation and the back of this tax claim you know the market still thinks in that share price that you know that that outcome whenever it is reached won't nearly be of that same magnitude and they were quite clear they said we paid our 700 million import taxes there's a very good reason why there's this gap between 700 million and 2 billion and the 2 billion was just uh, almost back of a cigarette box calculation by the authorities as to how much should be paid. It was very much a rough estimate. And they said quite clearly, you know, as I've already mentioned, that is a very good reason why they paid 700 and not the, the 2 billion. And they swear blindly that they've done the right thing as per the regulations and they haven't cut any corners. And they've been talking to the tax authorities for an extremely long time on this. And all of a sudden they just get this bill and just get the summons you know it is extremely difficult to work under those conditions we'll have to leave it there thank you wayne that was wayne mccurry of fnb wealth and investments and that's it for this edition of the money web at show from myself reich finnekerk and the money web team thanks for tuning in